from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Ah, you did it again. You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business to earn complete global chaos. As always, this episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor, an Acumatica and SAP Gold Partner, Stellar One Consulting. If your business is ready to move off QuickBooks, some other antiquated system like Maz90 or something like that, green screen even, give us a ring. Let us help automate your business, break through the barriers preventing growth. Just shoot me an email, david at sharkbitebiz.com or go directly to StellarOneConsulting.com or StellarOne.io. Now let's get back to today's episode. We're chatting about the CEO mindset. So who do we have today? None other than Dina Patton. Dina Patton is an elite business coach and transformational speaker, has worked with thousands of purpose-driven business owners and world-changing leaders around the globe. Dina helps her clients become great leaders who are building great companies. She founded the Dina Patton Coaching and Training Company 22 years ago while living in New York City where she created her world-class greatness methodology. Her three-pillar coaching approach can help you build the systems to be a well-oiled company, the strategy to be a well-marketed company, and the greatness mindset to be a well-led company. As a speaker, coach, and best-selling author, Dina has garnered over 60 media stories, and she leads from six core values, courage, accountability, authenticity, faith, integrity, and of course, fun. So without further delay, hey, let's bring Dina right on in here. Business strategy. Dina, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And we have a tradition on this show. Very first question we asked every single guest is, what's your background? What's your experience? What do you do for a living? How'd you get there? Basically, in a nutshell, Tell me, tell us, what makes Dina Dina? Oh, my goodness. In a nutshell, uh, moved from Phoenix to New York City on a hope and a dream at 21 with $1,500 and started my own uh, small business, a marketing and PR agency at 24. At 27, had a stroke and um, a real opening <laughs> recovery for a year. I had to learn how to speak again. And in that recovery, really realized my business was killing me because I had horrible small business habits and like a lot of people do. And uh, I really realized I need to sell this business and push the reset and start over. And I did that. I was really blessed to be able to sell that business um, help them grow it for the year, for about a year. And then I started this business um, 20 years ago, uh, my coaching and training company, and uh, have been doing it ever since, coaching entrepreneurs and leaders around the world. That is awesome. And when you say around the world, how many different countries have you worked in so far? Well, oh gosh, I, I, I haven't added them up collectively, but like right now I have 19 clients in five different time zones. So I'm, I always have four to six time zones going at, at once. So 
um, the majority in the U.S., but I always have about 10, 15 percent in other countries because I do a lot of speaking at global conferences and podcasts and people from around the world. You know, they go there. And they, yeah, same thing. Yeah. They hear you and say, I want to work. So it's great. I love it. You know, I have a Dubai client right now. I have a South African client. I have a London client. And here's the thing. Small business is small business. If you're running a small business, you know, there's core things. It doesn't really matter what country you're in. There's core things that you have to master or your business flails or fails. Oh, yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. So let's jump into our first topic, which is probably the hottest topic. Let's jump right in for the for the meat and gravy, as they say. Okay, the greatness CEO mindset for business owners. Okay, give me that greatness CEO mindset. I mean, what mindset should CEOs have in order to reach greatness? Yeah. So, in a nutshell, I love that we're speaking in nutshells because I love justing them down right down to the to the core. Um, we're all born with greatness. We're all born with smallness. My One of my passions is helping leaders and entrepreneurs start to live and lead from their greatness. So that's one distinction is really starting to recognize I do have greatness. I can be a great leader. I just have to know the tools on my tool belt and you utilize them. So that greatness piece is really important in calling ourselves on uh, when we're being a small leader, a fearful leader, a doubtful leader, you know, when you're leading from fear and doubt, it is not a lot of fun for you or your team or your business, right? But the CEO mindset, you know, you you never will have a fairy that comes out of the 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 the, the sky and says, okay, Brad, you've had a business now for three years. Bing on the head, you are now a CEO. Like there's no one that's going to give you a trophy or an award that says you are now a CEO. I, I encourage everybody to think like a CEO. If you own a business, you're the CEO of that business. And what happens is people are an entrepreneur. They think like an entrepreneur and three years, five years, eight years goes by somewhere there, they get the realization, you know what? I need to start acting like the CEO of this company. What I'm here to say is start acting like that and thinking like that, strategizing like that, leading like that today. It's a totally different mindset. We've heard on this show from a couple people talking about the mindsets of CEOs and some of them were great minds where it's like, um, you know, as the CEO, you need to start working on your company instead of in your company. Are you of that mindset as well? 100%. 100%. And that is part of moving yourself from an entrepreneur mindset to a CEO mindset is starting to duplicate yourself. Starting from, you know, when you look at your to-do list, you're all the things you're doing in your business, probably 70% of them don't belong on your list, right? So we need to start delegating those, systemizing them first. I'm a big systems person. Create the system for it so then you can delegate, right? Whether that's a, to a contractor or to an employee. But slowly over the next year, you want to 
get 60 to 70% of those things off your list and onto someone else. And it will help you start to really focus on the CEO you have to be. Right, right, right. And I think that that's critical because, you know, being the CEO that you have to be, I think a lot of times, you know, will be the difference if your business thrives or if it takes a dive. Totally. It is, it is all about who do you have to be? So I have a, I have a story who, I mean, I've, Every single one of my clients goes through my mindset um, process. So they've all had this kind of transformation where they're going from in their business, they're very much in the weeds every, you know, day to day, they're in it. And slowly over six months or a year, we get them out and we start to really have them show up as the CEO. Their eyes are on the vision, their eyes are on how am I- like KPIs? Yeah, here's our three-year vision. How, what are all those key KPIs and and milestones that are going that we have to hit? You know, just like any goal. If you're going to lose weight, if you're going to get out of debt, we need milestones, right? And because sometimes that big goal is so overwhelming and so big, our brain just turns off. It's like, no, no, I can't do that. But you can get to that next little milestone, right? And that's what is so important in this process of moving you from an entrepreneur in your business to the CEO of your business. And and it doesn't happen overnight. It it usually doesn't happen, you know, within a month or so. But it's, you know, give yourself three months, six months, a year. And it's this slow process of getting things off your plate. At the same time, you're elevating yourself in your leadership, in your mindset, in your vision. Um, because that's a full-time job. It's just a full-time job. Driving that train, making sure the people are right who are sitting on your on your train and making sure that the train stays, you know, clear and powerful and getting to those milestones and getting to those visions. Okay. So let's switch up a little bit. Okay. Because again, you're talking about how a business owner or a CEO can get out of working in day-to-day business and start working on the business. Part of that is your people have problems, okay? And you have a three-step approach as far as how uh, you, you know, a CEO can help solve their people's problems. What is that three-step approach? Number one, who do they have? You know, first of all, let's just say every small business have people problems. I think there's this illusion that if you solve this one, okay, there's not going to be any more people problems. As long as you're in business, you're going to have people problems. It just is. What do you define people problems as? Let's take a step back. Yeah, that's a good, that's actually a good question. Um, Because if I look at my variety of clients, there's some clients who have 15 clients, uh, employees, and there's some of my clients who have 60, 70, 80 employees, but they all have the same people problem. Whether it, First and foremost, do you have the right people? If you don't have the right people, you have to either move their seat, like they're in the wrong role, or you've got to fire them. No one, I think most people don't like firing people. It's very hard. It sucks. It's welcome to being a greatness leader. You have to get rid of the people 
that because it's probably torture for them too. If it's torture for you, right, to have them, they're probably not having a good time either. So, and every time someone fires someone, they always say, oh God, I should have done that six months ago. Right, right. So let me ask you this question based off that statement right there. Uh, fast to hire, slow to fire, or slow to hire, fast to fire? Fast to fire. That's my, that's the fire. There you go. Slow to hire, fast to fire. And I have a hiring process. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I know in my first company, oh my gosh, I knew nothing about hiring the right people, putting the right ad out to attract the right person. And then the interview questions and the process, three, you know, three interviews. Oh my gosh, I was horrible at it. And, um, you know, no better, do better. No better, do better. And we get better and better and better at things. So that's number one is making sure that you have a, a system in place so that you are hiring the right people and they're you have the right people on the train. Um, that's one, because if not, they're going to be disrupting and draining your you and your team. Two is their work ethic, their productivity. Out of a 10, you know, say your best client, your best employee is a 10. They're on time, they do great work, they're productive, they're contributing to the team, they're represent your values, all that good stuff, right? Well, look at your employees that are hanging out at like the five, six, even seven level. How are you going to allow that? Because what we allow continues. You can't just hope, I'm just gonna hope. Those five people get better. That doesn't work, right? But is a seven out of 10 that bad? I mean, and I'm putting it into this sense because right. you got to remember, right. not everybody is an all-star, okay? Sure. But if yeah. you have someone that shows up, maybe they're a minimalist to some degree, <laughs> but they get their job done and done. they're on time. <laughs> they have no issues, but right. they're not an all-star. And you're like, right. yeah, they're solid seven. Is that someone that you really want to get rid of? I wouldn't necessarily get rid of them. Now, it depends on your team. If you only have six people and you have one or two or three people hanging out at a seven, that's going to drastically affect the team because it's so small, right? Versus if you have 50 people, 60, 70 people, 100 people, you know, and you have a handful or even 10, you know, people hanging out at a seven, again, they're solid workers. They're just not you know, that eight, nine, 10, but you know what? They're fine. Cause they're not draining others. So I would, you know, I would say now, if there are seven more like going on a six, do you say that's like they're going the wrong direction? Different conversation. Yeah. Totally different conversation. Yeah. So number one is, is, you know, wrong people are there. Two is wrong seats. They're in the wrong job. Three is their productivity and contribution to, you know, to the team. And then three, you know, when you are, you have that CEO mindset and you're looking out in that vision, you know how you're scaling and building your company. Are your six and sevens a fit for your future? Like they might be a fit for now, but they're not like, they're not going to get you there where you're going. So that's another, it's a strategic thing that you have to think about is there's people that are so great in helping you now, but they don't have the skill sets or the mindsets or the leadership 
to go where you're going. And that is, you know, and that's where you get, you have a, you have a real decision to make is keep them and hope that they come along or you can keep them and empower them through, you know, you know, the power of personal development, get some more leadership tools on their tool belt. You know, there's a ton of ways we can help our employees win, elevate, grow. So, but you have to put that time and money into your team, right? So, and I think a lot of small business owners, you know, we're so in the fire and just you're trying to, you know, make payroll and make more sales and do all the 50 things that there are to do. It's like, who has time for personal development, professional development? Uh, <laughs> you've got to make time for it because that's the only way your people, it's critical for, for growth. And for your people to support you in where you're going, it takes it. Definitely. So let's uh, switch topics because there's one I want to talk about before we do end our conversation in a couple minutes. But uh, sales marketing strategies for those businesses that are between two million and forty million dollars. Um, you know, that's a lot of the businesses I work with. I think a lot of our listeners probably fall in that range as well, too. Um, what are some of those sales and marketing strategies for companies that are in that range? Such a good question. I love sales um, and sales systems. So the three things that I coach people in is their leadership, their sales, and their systems. And most people, if you're at that $2 million above, you, you have all three of those. You have leadership, you have sales, you have systems. However, if you gave yourself an audit, where would you be landing, especially in sales? When you look at sales, do you have a really well-oiled sales system where you know exactly your, your sales system steps, you know who is implementing each one of those, right? I have a, a PR firm that she has 15, 16 um, employees, four employees are in and around the sales system. And then she has another three on her onboarding system. But they all were like, she. there was a system there, but it wasn't tight. It wasn't a 10. And these four people in sales and three people in onboarding were just like, they were there, they weren't assigned to a step, right? So there was people stepping on each other's toes. There was some miscommunication. It's like, oh, did you say that? Oh, wait, no, I already said that or gave them that. Or, and there was just a lot of like miscommunications that didn't have to be there, right? We want a well-oiled sales system that goes into the onboarding system. I'm a real advocate for really clean, great onboarding systems. Um, when someone says yes to you and they have bought your product or your service and said, yep, we're going to go with that package or that offer, or that thing, that is when the onboarding process starts. Step one right there. And you should be able to communicate, all right, great. This is our onboarding system. So I have some clients that have four steps in their onboarding systems. I have clients who have 15 steps in their onboarding system, right? So it's really important, not just the sales process and sales system, that it's really clean, 
really uh, 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 the people who are involved know what they are going to be executing. And it's a great experience for your customers. And you should be, you should be um, closing 3.5 or more out of five, or your sales systems are ineffective. If you're closing three or lower, your sales system doesn't work. There's something that can be tweaked or added or taken away to make that sales more effective. Isn't that, so here, devil's advocate, I mean, isn't that a little bit um, industry specific per se? Like for example, I'm in ERP sales. ERP sales, very competitive, and you have some out there that will all of a sudden give you 80% discount and uh, free implementation, uh, not naming anybody uh, specifically. But you have competitors that do that, and it no matter how good of a job you did, they're like, hey, this price is so much lower. Um, you know, we're willing to take the risk, even though we think you're better. Like, uh, and it brings down your close rate. So is it industry specific or are you talking general? In general. And this is why is so in target markets, we have champagne clients, wine clients, beer clients, which a lot of people have heard that concept. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have, a, they have champagne taste, but with the beer budget. Right, the beer budget. But beer, but they're, they're, they are beer. They are the only filter that beer clients are looking for um, is cost. So they are looking for the cheapest. So the most affordable plumber, the most affordable software, the most affordable coach, right? That is the number one buying psychology that is only, that they, that they only have, right? So that's beer. Wine is, I know the quality I want, but I know I have a budget and here's my budget. And I know my budget and I'm going to communicate my budget. And so they are looking for that plumber, that coach, that software, but they do, their, their eyes are on quality. They just have a budget. Champagne clients, they, their eyes are on quality without a budget. They're like, whatever it takes to work with the best, right? So their filter is, I want the best. I want the, the most quality, the most experience, right? Very, very different buying psychologies. And so in your marketing, here's, here's a perfect example. I had a very high-end remodeling company. Okay, they do great, great, very expensive work. Well, they called me and said, we, have, we are just struggling. Out of 10 consultations, we're only, only closing one. I mean, we just, we're just exhausted, right? And once I looked at their marketing and then their sales system, what was happening is they're a champagne company. They're high-end, expensive, great work, award-winning, all of that. And they want to attract champagne clients, but their marketing was very beer for some reason, right? So they were attracting the beer clients. There was no lack of people coming into their consultations. They were just the wrong clients. So one after another, after another, they were very beer clients, right? They were attracted to the beautiful, oh, I want this beautiful remodel, right? But once they got into the consultation, they learned how expensive they were and they, they would go away, right? So there was just a disconnect in 
they're a champagne client that lowered their like their marketing messages because they wanted to attract, but they were attracting the wrong people. It didn't work at all. So we cleaned up their marketing to be champagne, to be in front of champagne people who are really looking for really qualified work in remodeling. Totally changed. It just completely transformed their whole company. That was going to be my next question. How much did it transform by once you changed it? It, it literally went from closing one out of 10 to eight out of 10. That That's amazing. Yeah, because, well, the people coming into a consultation, if you have a mindset, this is smallness mindset, scarcity, fear is, I just need more. I just need more consultation. I just need more clients. That is a scarcity mindset. Who you are going to attract is beer. They are looking for the cheapest thing, right? Whatever you are. And I promise you, it is a losing strategy because you're going to get them in. Yeah, you might close them. And guess what? Soon you're going to hate working with them because they are so beer. <laughs> right, right, right. I understood. And that's how, you know, that's how it goes a lot. So we do have time for one more question before we wrap up. And I want to ask, how do we turn the tables and create a truly great client experience? I think that's how you keep customers coming back for more and more and more and referrals and all that stuff. So the client experience, I think, is critical. Critical. And it's something that I, I love my clients because... Every one of my clients is in it for the transformation. They are like, I am sick of playing at this level. I want to be at this level, right? Whether, whether it's their sales systems or their brand or whatnot. Um, so where that starts is, again, everything starts in mindset, is you getting aware of your customer's experience and really saying, I'm going to take this to another level. This is our brand. This is what we stand for. And this is how I want our brand to be experienced. It doesn't matter what sector you're in. And so it starts with that commitment and that mindset from you, the CEO. Then we go to work. And I would say, first of all, it starts, your customer's brand experience starts when they start to see your marketing. So they saw a blog or you speak or your website or your social media. That's where their experience with your brand starts. So look at that. Then they get into your sales process. Look at that. What's their experience through your sales process? Is it great? Is it horrible? Is it disconnected? All of that. Then guess what? They say yes to you. And where the magic starts is that onboarding process. You've got to make sure that your onboarding process takes care of your customers, that they're fully communicated with, fully taken care of. They are just like coming, you know, they're coming into your brand as a paid client. They should feel taken care of, right? So that onboarding process is where like the mat, it started in marketing and sales, but man, once they say yes, that onboarding process is your opportunity to really show them what your brand's about, what you, your values, what you stand for. And that should be felt, felt throughout your onboarding process. And then as they start to work with you. And that's where I think a lot of leaders, that's why I say it's a full-time job being a CEO you need to make sure that 
everyone along that process is aligned to your vision, mission, values, brand. Because if they're not representing that, then what is the customer getting? You know, they're they're getting all your employees, your rant, your, you know, like say they have an experience with 15 employees, they're just getting interaction with those 15 employees versus a unified brand experience. Right, right, right. No, yeah. totally understood. Hey, Dana, this has been amazing, but I've got to ask, as I'm sure so many people out there are wondering, how can people get in touch with you, your business, LinkedIn, whatever you want to share? Tell us all about you right now. You're so great. Thank you. No, so, no problem. Yeah, easy. Um, my uh, website is where everything is. So Dina Patton, P-A-T-T-O-N.com. And um, everything's there. My book's there. My services are there. I'm very transparent about what I offer, um, my prices, and uh, all my LinkedIn uh, and Instagram are all on there. So Dina Patton. So all your socials there. One yeah. website for it all. And uh, everybody that watches this show, you know, right below the little blurb about the episode, we are going to have the very first link is going to be a link out to her website. So please go check her out. You can tell. She knows her stuff uh, and she can probably help your business break through any barriers that you're having that's preventing growth. Dina, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Thank you. And, uh, you know, best of luck. And uh, I hope to have you back on again sometime in the future. Awesome. Will do. Uh, awesome. Thank you. Cheers. That was an incredible chat with Dina, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of small business, please share us out with your friends, your family, your colleagues, anywhere you dwell on the interwebs. I would love to see nothing more than Dina Patton and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Anyways, awesome stuff, Dina. Great job. You totally rock. And I love how you help people grow as leaders. It's part of our philosophy, the three G's, the personal growth, professional growth, and of course, business growth. Please check out our website at dinapadden.com. Question of the day, what do you think of executive coaching? Leave a comment down below on YouTube. I'd love to see your feedback on this one. If you want to be a guest on the show, we're doing season eight interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, please join the channel for only $3 a month. Yeah, $3 a month. You could become a baby shark. Every dollar in is another dollar we put out in production, ads, whatever it may be. And please don't forget our sponsor who makes this show possible, okay? If you're on QuickBooks or some other solution, NetSuite, God forbid, you know, it's time to upgrade. Let's get you into a tier one solution with either Acumatica or SAP as we're gold partners with both of them. And that's StellarOneConsulting.com or StellarOne.io. You all know this by now, but I'll tell you you once again i'm david strasser this is shark bite biz we'll see you all next episode cheers you've just experienced shark bite biz with dave strasser make sure to like comment and subscribe to the show to help us spread the word about personal professional and business growth want to be on the show send an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com 
special shout out to our sponsor, an SAP and Acumatica Gold Partner Stellar Wand. Get off QuickBooks, automate businesses' processes, and have your business reach the stars. StellarOneConsulting.com or reach out to the show. Till next episode. <laughs> <laughs>